millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now we have a very special guest today. Any movie buffs among you would be well acquainted with the name Serpico. That was the title of a 1973 Hollywood production starring Al Pacino in the role of Frank Serpico, a New York police officer who exposed major corruption among the cops in the city. Like all whistleblowers, he came up against the system, he encountered roadblocks, he encountered indifference, yet he persevered for a number of years, his efforts finally bearing fruit in 1970 when a major corruption inquiry was ordered. Then in 1971, he was shot in the face and very lucky to escape with his life. As the movie portrays it, and as Frank himself tells it, his fellow officers left him exposed that night and the drug dealer shot him. The incident left the impression that the other cops would have been happy to see the back of him for good. He subsequently gave evidence to the Knapp Commission which investigated the corruption and led to a major overhaul in the NYPD. The movie ends with Frank, having resigned from the job he loved, packing up and leaving the country. In reality, he moved to Switzerland and spent a number of years in different countries in Europe before returning to the USA 10 years later. Today, at 85, he lives in a log cabin in the countryside in upstate New York. He has over the years fought the system in other ways, getting involved in green issues and tussling with the local political machine where he lives. He also still advocates for justice and against corruption right across society and is often sought out by organisations and individuals who admire him for what he did and lean on him for support. I caught up with Frank earlier in the week. Just for those who might be unfamiliar with his story, he makes mention in the interview of the Medal of Honour he received for his services and how he was given his detective's shield, which was awarded to him after the night he was shot, but before he resigned. Frank Serpico, how are you getting on? I'm getting on well. Thank you, Mike. I want to say at the inception that uh, I love uh, all things Irish, especially a little Jameson. And... uh, one of the first things I learned as a young man was Erin Gobra. <laughs> Very good. I hung out with a bunch of Irish kids, and uh, my tenant upstairs in a two-family was Mrs. Glenn with her three lovely daughters. Very good. So, uh, gr- growing up in Brooklyn, um, Frank, you obviously would have known a lot of Irish people. So, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in the police department. Um, you know, I, I want to say my my first police partner was a man called John O'Connor. And uh, he was a righteous, uh, fearing man of God, a very good, excellent detective. But every time I complained about corruption, he would say, Frank, you can't keep chipping away at the foundation with nothing to replace it. And uh, I would say, John, until the whole damn structure falls down and we start from the beginning, nothing is going to change. And I still believe that today. 
That's interesting, Frank. Yeah, that uh, at that stage. So not everybody who was around you was on the take or corrupt. Well, no, neither here, neither. But the problem is those that are seem to be in power. And, uh, and that, you know, I keep getting uh, email, Twitter saying, oh, you forgot about so-and-so and so-and-so. I said, I know more good cops than that. But the problem is they can't complain without being the victims. Yes. Tell me, Frank, could I ask you, just in terms of what's current at the moment with uh, the police in the U.S., the conviction of Derek Chauvin for the, the murder of George Floyd, what did you think of the trial and everything around it? Well, um, first of all, I think it was only a drop in the bucket. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm talking from my experience, uh, 85 years old, and uh, and my experience in the police department. And uh, I have lectured at universities and the only people that won't have me is the New York City Police Department. They won't have me lecturing at the police academy. They have had the corrupt policemen lecturing at the academy. And I say that's a bad example because they're showing off the corrupt ones as, hey, look what I got away with. And now I'm lecturing you. But for Serpico, even the John Jay College of Criminal Justice, uh, a high institution of learning that I graduated from, and if I didn't have my diploma, I think that I was hallucinating. They won't recognize me. I just put out on Twitter, that's the problem. This college is nothing more than an apologist mill of past police inspectors. They all become professors and they lie about the past. So how are we going to get the truth out there? An example, I'm gonna rattle off a bunch of Irish names now because uh, most of them were in the police department. And one of them was Patrick V. Murphy. He was a patrolman. He came all the way up through the ranks as captain. He knew about exactly the same corruption that I knew about and exposed. He even says about it in his book. And then he tries to belittle me. He tries to undermine my credibility. And he is heralded as the reform police commissioner well, how the hell is the truth going to get out there if nobody wants to hear it? And his buddy, another one, James Fife, who becomes a police expert throughout the nation, testifies in police agencies all over the country. He's another hypocrite, although he's passed and may he burn in hell because he lied in his book that is required reading at the Columbia um, University in a law class. I would have never known about this 
except my nephew is a lawyer and he was in that class and James Fife book was required reading and what Fife did completely distorted the facts about the night I got shot. Now, why would a police expert want to do that? So getting back to the testimony, you saw it in, um, uh, in the Floyd case where you have these police experts saying, oh no, he was just following a police procedure. What they do, they become specialists and then they stick up for their corrupt cronies. That is what has to change. So I don't know what's going to happen with, uh, with Floyd, um, our case, uh, with Chauvin, um, but he was not alone. And people are saying, oh, well, we're turning the corner now because look, his own buddies uh, testified against him. Yeah, I call it the rats jumping off a sinking ship. They knew he was going to get convicted because it was not only national, but international news, something they could not deny. But what about the hundreds of cases that have not made international news that are coming to light now? So when I complain about police corruption, I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about the police system. It's an organization, it's a fraternity, it's a family organization. As with our friend Murphy, his father was a cop, his brother was a cop. There's another piece of dirt who is a Harvard graduate, wrote a book trying to undermine my credibility. He became Commissioner Kelly's fair-haired boy. Uh, you know, what they hope to achieve is that the world forgets about Serpico, that he never existed. They have refused to exhibit my police paraphernalia at the police museum. I was awarded the Medal of Honor, the highest award possible. It is usually awarded posthumously. They thought I was going to die. They expected me to die. I have never been given the certificate for over 50 years. I have asked every police commissioner. That's how I know, Mike, that they're all filthy and they cover up their own asses. Now, I might have misspoke when I said I didn't get my certificate because I just did. I got the American Civil Liberties Union to go after the police department. And you know what they did, Mike? They sent me my certificate, unframed and without the police official seal, the ultimate slap in the face. So that's who I am against, the corrupt cops, not the good ones that are trying to make the change and are struggling to keep afloat in a cesspool of corruption. 50 years down the line, Frank, it's obvious that it's still something that gets to you because of the way you were treated. And as I understand it, you can tell me, you wanted to be a cop. Being a cop was what you wanted to do. 
And because you were brave enough to come forward and point out the corruption, you were effectively hounded out of the job. I loved being a police officer. It is the best vocation one can ever have. My friend John O'Connor, he wanted to be a priest. And he was a priest, even as he maintained his position as a police officer. He wouldn't take a nickel. And also, there's another great police officer named um, Joe Tromboli, who was tracking one of the most filthiest New York City police officers that ever wore the uniform. His name was Michael Dowd. He was engaged in narcotics and selling and dealing. And your listeners can look him up if you like. They made a movie about him, The Seven Five. And the director called me up. He wanted me to be in the movie. And I says, is Joe Tromboli going to be in the movie? He says, who's Joe Tromboli? I says, you don't know the name Joe Tromboli? If it wasn't for him, he was tracking Dowd in the early days with Dowd's partner, another corrupt cop called Urell. Tromboli had their pictures on his clipboard on the wall. The lieutenant walks in and says, what's this? He says, sir, those are two of my suspects. The the lieutenant said, suspects, my ass. Those are New York City police officers. Take them down. Who the F do you think you are? Serpico? They made Joe's life miserable. And Kelly was one of them that went after Tromboli, trying to say that he was dealing drugs. This is what they do to you. Then finally Kelly comes out because you see, they float both ways. They go with the media, they cover their asses. And so finally, when the media was watching uh, and after the movie with uh, exposed uh, Dowd who did 14 years and now he's out acting like a celebrity and they're gonna make another movie about him, The good guys get the shaft, and it's because those in power give it to them. Frank, if you were advising a young police officer in the New York Police Department or any police department at the moment who said he had come across corruption and he wanted to come forward and expose it, how would you advise him on the basis of what befell you when you came forward? Well, first of all, I tell him to make sure he has all his information documented. And even so, it really wouldn't do much because I have documented information now about corruption in my very county where the district attorney and the judges are all involved. It is not just the police. It's the district attorneys and the judges. And if we had honest district attorneys and judges maybe the police wouldn't be running so rampant. So what I would tell them if they were to, as they say, blow the whistle, be prepared to have your whole life changed and you becoming the victim. Do you have any regrets about having blown the whistle, Frank? Absolutely not. Even though you're, well, I mean, as I understand it from your point of view, the night you got shot, you're definitely of the belief that the other officers would not back you up and they exposed you to that. So you you were lucky to escape with your life in that sense. Listen, I have a bullet in my head. 
I've had it there since February 3rd, 1971. I'm 85 years old. I skip down my driveway in the morning and I say, thank you, Lord. I've survived. I have no regrets. I've exposed the cancer. Now it is up to the physicians to remove it. And do you think it's as bad now as it was back in your day in the late 60s, early 70s? What has changed is before they had organized payoffs, they called it the pad. And it went all the way up to the top. Walsh was the first deputy commissioner. You see, commissioners come and go. But the first deputy commissioner... He stays there, and he has all the dirt on everybody, and that's how he keeps them in line to do his bidding. And the mayor is well aware of this. So what happened from my exposing, the, uh, the pad was no longer in existence where they went around and collected from all the underworld for police protection. Now what you have are the Michael Dowds with their um, individual gangs uh, and predators or the brutality. The brutality and the racist has not changed. It has gotten worse because what happens when they get exposed, they dig in their heels because what has to change is the mentality. It's not police corruption. It's the police mentality that they think they are better than the people who are paying their salaries and they are meant to protect and serve. You give them, they have too much power. No one can take another man's life and not be held accountable. And this is what is happening around the country And this is why we have what we have. And people say, oh, yeah, black lives matter, blue lives matter. But unless you are black, then you are not the subject. And you cannot imagine what you have been going through all your life and your mother's and parents' lives and their grandfathers and those before them. This is what has to change. And back in your day, Frank, Would you have noticed the racism in the force? Absolutely. But, um, you know, they had what they called a goon squad, you know, to rough up people. But the racism was there in, in a different matter. We didn't shoot people, you know, as they do today. But an example of, of racism, uh, my desk lieutenant, his name was Ferrara. Uh, and he he did not believe that a black woman could be raped. Can you believe that? I'd be arresting rapists um, for raping a black woman, and he would deride me and the lady. If this isn't racism, I don't know what is. But this never came to light. I once, on my way to work, I stopped just around the corner from the precinct, There was a fire in a building, and I rescued two families 
and their dog before the fire department got there or they would have all been devoured. I climbed onto the second story landing and I had the mother hand me the children down. And then she jumped herself and I had another man with me. We crossed our arms and we caught her, but she she flattened both of us. But no one was really injured except me. I had smoke inhalation. And when the sergeant came on the scene, he said, you better go and put on your uniform. You have a holiday post, which means directing traffic. And Lieutenant Farrar says, where the hell you been? I said, sir, I just had to go put on your uniform. And I had to go sick for smoke inhalation. I still have scar tissue on my lungs. I never even got the slightest recognition. And you know why? Because the families were black. If they were white, the mayor would have given me a medal. Yeah, it's, it, it, it says a lot. Frank, I see that you were awarded your detective's shield after you were shot, and you've still held on to it. That's another joke. Because, first of all, there was no ceremony for me. And unfortunately, the movie gives a false account of what really happened. And then you have these stupid cops, two of them, on Twitter still, years after, uh, one of them having been arrested and another one has totally lost his faculties, and they still quote the movie. I shot the man that shot me. What happened was they never backed me up. I made the mistake of turning away from the perpetrator that I had covered with my arm and shoulder in the door, and they just stood there, and I, I got so enraged. I said, what the hell are you waiting for? Give me, and when I turned back, bang. And they just let me lay there. If it wasn't for an old Hispanic gentleman attendant who called the police, I wouldn't be speaking to you now. Uh, And yet the police covered that up. And then one of these dirty cops who later wrote a book, he's riding with his partner and his partner says, turn here to where I got shot. He says, you see that building? That's where Serpico got shot. If I knew it was him, I would have led him there to bleed to death. Now, let me clarify. There was no 1013, which is the highest priority, meaning a officer down. The call that went out was 1010, investigate shots fired. The call was put in by a civilian. And so they never called for a backup, whatever Murphy wanted to say. And I confronted Murphy at John Jay College of Criminal Justice in front of an audience who was attending his lecture. And I had his book in my hand. And I said, what do you have to say about this commissioner? In his book, he says, you know, uh, confidential, the media has me on the spot to show I'm bigger than the system and reward Serpico. I says, have you no shame? And he's put his head down like a little boy that got caught with his hand in a cookie jar. And I said, and if that wasn't bad enough, you had the audacity to write on the next page. Looking back, I don't think it was the right thing promoting Serpico. In fact, it was too right. And I says, what have you got to say for yourselves? By the way, Commissioner, 
I hold you responsible for my being shot because you could have protected me, but instead you put me in harm's way. That's what he did. He assigned me to the most dangerous assignment in the New York City Police Department. So, Mike, do you see how it works? I speak only from my experience. Absolutely, Frank, I can see that. Tell me, you mentioned the movie. Were you happy overall with the way the movie portrayed you? Well, the only part I was happy with was that they exposed the corruption as it was. But the corruption was even worse. And I took issue with uh, the director. And again, I walked out in frustration. They didn't throw me off the set, as the director would like to say. But here's another example of why I complained. In the movie, my partner and I are changing this big black hulk of a man into a tenement house. And he's hiding under the stairwell. This is as it actually happened. He's hiding under the stairwell. And we find him on his knees. And my partner takes out his gun and he starts menacing him. And I was flabbergasted. I thought we were going to arrest him because he was a runner. Instead, my partner was complaining because he was late on his payoff. And he says to him, you son of a bitch, if you're late again, uh, and, and he's menacing him with his gun, poking in his mouth, and the man can't even speak. And he's saying, please, he says, give me some time. And he says, I'll give you time. I'll give you the rest of your life in jail. And while this is happening, the door to the tenement opens and you see an old black wrinkled face with white hair. And she is witnessing this. And then she gently closes the door. Why couldn't they put that in the movie? No, they had to flush his face in the toilet. That never happened. Another thing, I caught this burglar that was cleaning out the precinct. He was a class A burglar. He's a second story man. He didn't just break a window and grab. He came in through the top. He was white. The movie made him a black man. Why? Is no self-respecting white man a burglar? It's always the black people who are the criminals. This is Hollywood. This is where the corruption is. It's not only in the police department. It's all over this country. And just one other thing in relation to the movie, Frank. Did you get on well with Al Pacino? Yes, I got on with Al very well. And uh, uh, the the problem was he, he overacted. I don't know if it was his doing or was he following the direction of uh, Sidney Lumet? Because for some reason, he's pretending he's got my nine millimeter, which I used as a backup because they weren't allowed at the time. But um, I had my 38 snub nose when I was covering the perpetrator and that's what I shot him with. So Pacino He's pretending he can't get his hand in the door with this big nine millimeter. Well, why did you do that? That wasn't what happened. You're distorting history. 
and now the the cops they take the movie as being a uh, fact and they say oh no you know and and so that was the problem i had with the acting and the movie frank and I, I saw you have a connection here with this country and i'll tell you about it now do you remember ramsey clark the former attorney general in the us absolutely i do he just passed away he was my one of my best friends one of the most uh, highest men of integrity i've ever known I've even uh, produced a, a documentary, uh, fortunately, before he passed, called Citizen Clark, A Life of Principle. I started saying one thing about, you said, me being a detective. When I wrote to Commissioner Kelly, when he was commissioner, I asked him for my certificate for the Medal of Honor. And he says, come in and I'll give it to you. And I said, no, thank you. You know, I didn't want a, a photo op. I said, just put it in the mail. You know what I got in the mail? I got my certificate of promotion to detective, which they never gave me. So this is what I mean. It is a, it's a complete quagmire of, of disgust. You know, um, uh, Chauvin going to jail isn't going to change nothing. They'll just be more cautious. There's a lot of work to be done. I wrote a letter to um, President of the United States, Bill Clinton. In 1994, I tried to get a medal for Joe Trombley for fine work he was doing. And Clinton, he wrote back indeed, but instead he gave the police more firepower and bragged about how he helped the police. I told him back then, he should do something about the police corruption and and the society and incorporate it into our children's work program because that's where it has to begin. So you can see to date that has still not happened. I mentioned Ramsey Clark, Frank, because as, as I saw after you left the, the New York Police Department, you went off to Switzerland and you came back a couple of years later to endorse Ramsey Clark when he's running for the Senate. And the same Ramsey Clark, just to let you know, a number of years ago, he came over to this country to give evidence for a woman who had damaged US airplanes in an airport here because they were on their way to the war in Iraq. And Ramsey Clark came over and he said that woman was right in what she did. She was trying to stop war. And he was uh, he was very much admired by people who were against the war in Iraq for taking the bother to come over here and give evidence in that trial. And the woman who was on trial eventually got off. So th th there's a connection there between um, Ireland and Ramsey Clark. And he's your buddy as well. Well, I'm so glad to hear that because of all the stories I've known about Ramsey, I never heard that one. And I've gone to the South with Ramsey working on cases. Uh, he is a, uh, a tremendous uh, fighter for civil liberties and racial equality. Um, and all the work that he's done is recorded in history. And he is indeed um, a great American, a patriot, and an ex-Marine. So we can be all the above uh, and be good Americans, but we have to do it with the mind of justice and not cover up. That's why we need clarity in everything we do.
One other thing, just one other connection here, Frank. Uh, some years ago, there was a situation here. Uh, a policeman in this country, he was a whistleblower and he got some terrible treatment as a result. Some people refer to him as the Irish Serpico. And that's just a small indication of your reputation all over the world. Because when you came forward and, and what you did expose and the kind of price you paid for it, you must get some satisfaction knowing that there are people all over the world that admire you from that point of view. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Mike. And um, even uh, somebody sent me a video out of Ireland and it's called uh, Patty Serpical. <laughs> I must say it gave me a lot of enjoyment. It, um, uh, people may not like it. It was a little bloody, but it was about this Irish policeman who took on a whole corrupt police station. It might have been a little exaggerated, but uh, it definitely uh, gave me some good comic relief. Tell me, Frank, taking everything into account, how, how your whole life was disrupted. As you say, you were shot. You still carried a bullet. Um, you're still a fit man. You're in your 80s. You're still a fit man. Have you had a good life? Uh, I, I've been blessed, Mike. I, I I couldn't ask for everything more. I have everything I ever needed. Uh, you know, I, I don't want for anything. I just wish, you know, I could live my life. I, I live in the woods in a cabin. Right now, I'm looking out, and all I see are trees and birds and flowers. And um, But they won't leave me alone. The, the corruption, that's why we have to keep fighting. Um, as I was saying before, in this town, I have a piece of property I live on that um, is supposed to be protected uh, by law. It's wetlands. And they allow to build a builder to destroy my property that I pay taxes on. He destroyed uh, my surveyor's marks and uh, cut down my trees and destroyed a hill that... Um, Cliff swallows return to every year and they don't return anymore. And I, I've written a, a wonderful a poem about that for the Henry Thoreau Society in their book about um, what would uh, Henry do. And uh, it, it was um, in, in praise of Henry Thoreau and they asked me to write um, a um uh, whatever they call it, and uh, also in 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 that book, an essay uh, was also written by the only other good president. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Jimmy Carter. Frank, put yourself in this position. Uh, somebody comes and visits you there in upstate New York. He's twenty-two-year-old Frank Serpico. He's come out of the U.S. Army. He's half thinking of going into the police force, but he's not sure. What would you advise him to do? Uh, well, uh, first of all, I don't allow anybody to cross. <laughs> but I advise people, you know, through the Internet all the time. They write to me. Um, you know, it, it depends on the agency uh, to research it well. Sometimes if it's a small agency, you have a better chance uh, in a big agency like New York. Here's the thing, Mike, when I expose corruption, 
in New York City in 1971, and only because Dave Burnham, an honest New York Times reporter, ran a story that made headlines, did it get any attention. The mayor, Lindsay, was trying to cover it up because he was running, wanted to run for, for president. But the thing is, I wouldn't advise anybody to, um, you know, they might try it out. Uh, you know, they can always leave. But to be very careful and uh, not expect to change the world in a day, because it's, it's not going to happen. Frank, one other thing, if you don't mind me asking, how did you get on through the pandemic? Did it affect you that much? Because I know you live pretty isolated life. So were you affected that much by the last year and a half, the lockdown and everything? I wear a camouflage uh, uniform, so it doesn't even know I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me tell you on that note, I could survive off nature, okay? I take care of myself. People don't respect Mother Nature, number one. I don't know if your people know what a dandelion is. Uh, a, you know dandelion? Yeah. They call them weeds. It is one of God's best gifts to humanity. People in Europe survived on it during the war. They made coffee with the roots. In the pharmacopoeia, it has all types of beneficial properties. There is not a, what people call weed on this earth that doesn't have value. Yet the people keep spraying them with toxic chemicals and have poisoned their own water. The people are ignorant. They have been cajoled by big industry. That's why we have the all-out food. They're even making phony steaks now. Can you believe that, Mike? They print out a steak and mix it with generic materials. They're playing games with our lives, the big industries. And we are the victims. We are the sacrificial lambs. And we have to wake up and join together and fight off this cancer or it will kill us all. Frank Serpico, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for talking to us today. Thank you so much for asking me. And uh, the best to all your people and may they live in peace and harmony. Thank you. A remarkable man. Okay, that's it for today, folks. I'd like to thank our engineer, JJ Vernon. Thank you for listening. You can get us on all the usual platforms. And if you haven't already signed up for the digital subscription, think about it. It would be an awful shame to miss out on something. See you soon. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.